Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to be here and to say personally a thank you for your support of the Hope Clinic. You have made it possible to care for people who are in the greatest need right here on our own doorstep. Hope Clinic, just miles from here, we are in a place where uh, across the street from us in housing, 81% uh, of households that are headed by single women, 81% live below poverty. Poverty is $12,140 a year. We are here in the name of Jesus Christ. We are a Christian-based organization, and we provide free medical care. We are free dental care. We have free food, so it's a pantry and hot meals on the weekends. In fact, in just a couple hours, they'll start cooking the meal for tonight. And then we also have what's called care and prayer. So we support folks who are coming through in the most desperate times of life, and we're saying, you matter. We want to hear what's going on in your life, and how can we bring hope in the midst of difficult circumstances? So you all are making that possible, and, and I already have met some of the volunteers in the first service, and so many volunteers as well, even in, in Canton and uh, West Ann Arbor, and so we're so thankful for the way that you have made it possible to bring help and healing to those who are in need. Now, in, in sharing a, a thank you from Hope Clinic, um, I'm not who you expected if you're a visitor and you're thinking, oh yeah, Grace Church, they've got those hip, young, cool people up front, and you got me today. <laughs> See? <laughs> thank you. I'm here, I'm here all week. See, that's what's called a sermon illustration that you didn't know was going to happen of uh, being the unhip, cool person. Uh, so, and my teenage daughters would affirm that readily if they were here. But uh, you see, when you get a guest preacher, you don't always know who you're going to get. Uh, there was a case of a, of a guest preacher who came in and he made his way up to the front and began preaching when someone came in late. And uh, just like you guys in that last row right there, you know, you come in, you, you come in, you sit in that last row because that's what you do. And, and this guy who came in, he saw who the guest preacher was and went, wait, I know, who, I know who this guy is. This guy is awful. This guy is just dull. He is boring and he doesn't preach the gospel. And he sends babies out of the, the congregation and it's, it's just terrible. And, and so what happened is he, there was a woman who was sitting next to him and he said, okay, I know who this guy is. This guy is, we should go now. He is awful. Uh, he's just terrible. And the woman says, do you actually know who I am? He says, I, I, I don't. And she said, I am Mrs. Awful. <laughs> he says, right. Um, in that case, do you actually know who I am? And she said, no, I don't. And he said, good. And he left. <laughs> so you're safe in the back, my Mrs. Boring is, is not here uh, today, but um, I am glad that I can be here to reflect on God's word together and to say thank you to Grace because you all have not just given lip service to caring for, as Jesus said, the least of these, but you actually live that out. You bring hope to those who are feeling hopeless. You bring help to those who otherwise wouldn't have help. So you have made a difference, and we give thanks to God for you and pray that you continue to partner with us as we bring that help and healing. But let's now come before God in prayer as we reflect on his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now asking for your Holy Spirit to come through into us now that you would open up 
our hearts and our minds and our ears that we would hear and listen for your word and that we wouldn't just leave it there, that we would respond to your word to bring hope in this broken world. So speak to us now and let this be to your glory and we pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, a while ago, a good friend of mine from years and years ago called me up because he said that he had heard this story that was perfect for my line of work. Uh, and he said, my, my friend, I should preface this by saying he's this really, like, really super fit guy. He runs marathons. He's nuts. Um, and he does mountain climbing. And he's just... He, just, he looks like me, and he's really fit. Um, so, heard that. Uh, so he, he, but he's a super fit guy, and he was telling me how there was this mountain climber, and he was doing really well. This guy was climbing up a mountain. He was, he was fantastically well when he then slipped, and he fell, and his ropes didn't quite fit, and whatever it is that mountain climbers do to be safe, it didn't work. So he's trying to grab hold of something to, so he wouldn't go crashing down to his death, and he managed to grab hold of a crevice on the side of this mountain, and, and holding on for dear life, he then thought, now what? So he was looking up to the top of this mountain and all the way down to the bottom, and he's thinking, what on earth am I going to do now? So this guy had never been, according to my friend, he had never been a person of faith until now. So holding on to this cliff side, he calls out, as he said, to the heavens above, and he said, is there anybody up there? And to surprise, a voice answered, yes, there is. Well, who is that? It's the Lord. Well, Lord, as you can tell, I really need some help right now. And Lord said, that's fine, but before I help you, I need to know something. Do you trust in me? Absolutely no, yeah, I, I, yeah, no doubt, so I, I'm fine. He said, fine, then if you trust in me, I want you to let go of that cliff. Do what now? If you trust in me, I want you to let go of that cliff. Well, the guy holding on to that, he's weighing up all of his options, and then he boldly responds, is there anybody else up there? You know, how is it that when we face difficulty in life, we find it so hard to let go? When we're in difficult circumstances in life, when we are feeling helpless and hopeless, that we still try and figure things out on our own, and so we're holding on to that cliff. Have you ever been in that when you're holding on to it and you're holding on for dear life because you've got this? And God says, let go. I've got this. But we think we've got the smarts. We think we can figure it out. We think we can just hold on and we can climb back up to the top or we'll sort it all out. But instead, God is saying, no, let go and let me. I've got this. And when we're facing these kind of challenges in life and as each of us, if we have not gone through, we will go through and have these experiences and letting go. And when this happens, the prophet Isaiah speaks so clearly to us in these kinds of circumstances. You see, the prophet is speaking to the people of God who are in exile. Now, think about this. This is the people of God, and they're supposed to have it all together, and everything's good. And then if they are the people of God, if they're supposed to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, if they're supposed to have it all together, then why on earth are they living in exile? 
So in the midst of this, they're complaining to God. They're saying, why are we in this mess? And they're trying to figure it out because they're holding on to that cliffside. And they're saying, okay, God, you're, we're in this mess, so we're going to be figuring this out. And God speaks to them through the prophet saying, essentially, quit your whinging. That's a Scottish word. Quit your whining. Quit complaining about things. And I actually want to turn to God's word in, chapter, in Isaiah chapter 40. Um, and this is when he's speaking to the people who are complaining. And he says to them in verse 27 of chapter 40, he says, why do you complain, Jacob? Seriously, what are you whining about? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. And here's what's interesting. He also says, even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. So those, he said, who are supposed to be at the peak of their strength, they're supposed to have it all together. Health is great. Everything is going well. He says, yep, even they are going to stumble and fall. You are going to face difficulty. Do you know there's no place in Scripture that we are promised we will never face hardship? There is not one place in Scripture that says, when Jesus said, come and follow me and you will have 2.2 perfect children and you will have a job that has no stress and you will have no money troubles whatsoever. Come and follow, did Jesus say that? We're never promised that we're not gonna face hardship, but says that when we put our hope in the Lord, we will renew our strength. In fact, we'll not just renew our strength, but we'll soar on wings like eagles. We'll run and not grow weary, walk and not be faint. How different is that? So when we're in the midst of holding on and not having hope and we're clinging to the side of that mountain and we're saying, we don't want to let go, we can't do it because we've got this. God says, let go. In fact, if you do and you rely on my strength and my wisdom rather than your own, well, then you're, you're not just going to make it, but you're going to soar. Think about that, that soaring. That's what, as we begin this time of Advent and this time of hope in the midst of difficult circumstances, that we live in this time of waiting, as Sung said, that we, that we are, are ready to look to the future and what Jesus Christ has preached, which is the kingdom of God. And that's what we're waiting for, that, that we live in this tension of the here and the now, but the not yet. So we talk about the kingdom of God that Jesus preached when he said that there's going to be a time when there's no pain, that there will be a time in a kingdom where there is no illness, when there is a time when there is no, uh, we don't have to mourn, there's no tears of sadness, that's the kingdom of God in the future. But right now, we get these little pockets of the kingdom of God. We get this glimpse of what that future kingdom will be. So here, when we, when we think of Jesus born, and we wait upon that, and then when he preaches and talks about this kingdom, that we get a glimpse now in a pocket of what that kingdom will look like. So think about this. If there's been someone who has been ill and is healed, that's a glimpse of what the kingdom will look like. If, if someone who has been hopeless and helpless and in pain and that person is given hope, we get a glimpse of that kingdom. That's a pocket of that kingdom. Every time someone who is hungry and they are fed full, that's a glimpse of that kingdom to come. It's a pocket now. Of, of, of what that kingdom will look like. And that's what we live out at Hope Clinic, is these pockets of the kingdom. And I already see some of our volunteers here. We have about 400 volunteers a month who come through Hope. 
uh, whether it's medical staff or dental, but food and cooking and, and praying with people and caring for them. And just to give you one glimpse of someone who lives in this hope even to today is a woman named Rita. Now, Rita's given me permission to share her story um, and her actual real name. Uh, and Rita came to us years ago out of dire circumstances. Rita, as a child and as a young adult, had been sexually trafficked here in the area. Now, she never got help. She never got counseling. She never got people who said, this is not your fault. She never was able to kind of come to terms with this. She ended up kind of just going through life, as she said. She got married. She had two kids. And then it all imploded. She got divorced. She lost custody of her kids. She lost her full-time job. She was making kind of ends meet by living on a friend's couch and working part-time. Uh, and then she had horrific dental pain. And she couldn't afford, she didn't have insurance, and she couldn't afford to go to a dentist. So someone said, go to Hope. Now, here's the interesting thing. She actually knew about Hope because when things, when she had a full-time job, she was a volunteer at a nearby organization. So she knew about it. She said, oh, yeah, Hope. So she came along, and she got her pain fixed. But here's, here's the key. It wasn't just dental pain that got fixed. She received Hope itself. Now, it made it sound like, oh, just snap your fingers and everything's grand and perfect and great. No, what happened is, is that people in the dental clinic heard her story and got her hooked up to where she got medical care and she got food. She got presents for her boys that year for the first time in years. We're actually right now doing Adopt a Family at Hope. Uh, here ends the commercial. Um, but she was given these presents for her kids that she hadn't gotten before. Um, and then she got counseling, in-depth help and therapy. Please to share that this past May, Rita graduated with a BA from Eastern. She's now a volunteer at Hope. Talk about Hope. Talk about that help. And why did this happen? Because we didn't just come through and say, here's your dental pain. Yep, we fixed it. Get out of here. It's about being holistic. Seeing people as whole people, physically, mentally, spiritually. That's how we see people. You're a part of that. And so this is actually one of our cultural values at Hope. We live by four cultural values, um, and the main one for us is encapsulated in a Zulu word. It's a greeting called Sayubona. Now, Sayubona means I see you. I see you for who you are. You're not defined by your brokenness, not defined by an illness, not defined by issues or the struggles that you have, but I see you as created in the image of God. And as created in the image of God, I actually want you to have more than the, the circumstances are saying, but to have hope. And I want you to be a child of God, adopted because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so the Sayubona, when we see every person who comes through, that we give that grace to that person in the same way that we have been given grace. If you have been given grace and hope in Jesus Christ, if you have been given hope in the midst of hardship and difficulty, don't you want others to have that? If you have good news of, say, a team wins, not that I should compare that for Detroit, but we're closer to Ann Arbor, or in Ann Arbor, so I guess that'll work. But if you have good news of a team winning, what do you do? You tell people about it, right? Do we do the same with the hope that we've been given in Jesus Christ? Or do we say, no, no, I'm not going to do that. That's for somebody else to do. You see, but we are called to care for others. If we have been given hope, we're called to do that and to share that with others. And yet, we so often don't. We think somebody else will take care of it. There's some research done 
few years back now by a psychologist and economist, a guy named Daniel Kenneman, uh, who's at Princeton, but he had done some research at uh, NYU, and he was sharing how uh, a research to show that if others heard a cry for help, very few responded. So only four out of 15 people helped if they knew someone else heard. Now let me explain. This was a research that people were put in individual rooms, but they could hear what was going on in the central room, but they couldn't see it and they couldn't see each other. And then they had an actor scream out, help, I need help, I need help, and was screaming out for help. Only four or 15 people responded. When they asked why afterwards, you know what they said? Well, somebody else, was, other people heard it too. Do we respond in the same way? Somebody else will get it. I'm good. And yet Jesus said that we're supposed to feed his sheep. We're supposed to get up and serve. And if we have been given this hope in Jesus Christ, we are called to then, if we are able to run and not be weary, walk and not be faint, how do we actually then take those next steps? We're called to get up in this time of Advent and to share and to feed our sheep. And yet so often we do not feel like we are able to. We feel whether it's someone else's responsibility or we just feel we're not there. We're not good enough to do that. Look at my life. It's a mess. Lord, you have seen me. You know what's going on in my life. I can't be sharing hope with others. I can't be an extension of your grace because look at my own life. And yet, to you, to me, to others in our broken, in our own circumstances, Jesus says, get up and feed my sheep. That's what he said to Peter, the one who you could say the same kind of argument. I want to actually or saying, of saying that my life is a mess, well, how can I be feeding sheep? Look at Peter's life. So we're fast-forwarding from Advent, from the start of the story, and we're gonna fast-forward all the way to the end in John's Gospel, in chapter 21, and we're gonna see somebody who said, not me. I mean, thank you, Jesus, that you, know, you came for me, but I'm not gonna share it with others. That's somebody else's job, and because my life is a mess. So think about Peter, when he met the resurrected Christ, what happened? Well, let's read, if I don't drop my phone again. Um, I want to read in John's Gospel, as I mentioned, at chapter 21. Um, and here, uh, the resurrected Christ meets him and he says, um, Simon, son of John, uh, do you love me more than these? And when he was saying more than these, I wonder if he was pointing to the side, because see, Peter had just gone back to fishing, back to his life, I should have said, and, and his regular, see, there's Peter. Um, bet you didn't know if you got to be a disciple at that time, you got your own sneakers that were matching colors uh, for all the disciples got matching sneakers uh, to go back to their fishing. So, so Peter goes back fishing, goes back to his everyday job when Jesus meets him and says, um, when he goes back fishing, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Maybe he's pointing to his nets. And say, do you love me more than your work? So think of us today. Do you love Jesus more than your work? Or maybe he was saying to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these, and he was pointing over here to his family and friends on the shore. Do you love me more than your family and friends? Do you love me more than everything else? Now think about this, when in, in the text, when Jesus says this, he asks Peter, he uses a form of the Greek agape, or agape, depending on you talk to, and this means a sacrificial kind of love. Do you love me sacrificially more than everything else? And Peter responds with saying, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, Right? Because actually, Peter doesn't use, he doesn't respond with agape, he uses philia. Now, philia is kind of a, a brotherly, sisterly understanding of love, like Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, most of the time. Um, but they, 
they have this, this sisterly understanding, but it's not sacrificial. So when Jesus asks them the first time, do you love me? He uses agape. Peter responds with philia. The second time Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He uses agape. Peter answers with philia again, but then here's the catch. Here's the great thing. The third time that Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? Jesus changes from agape and he meets him where he is and uses philia. Think about that. He meets him where he is. He builds him up. He encourages him. It's the solubona. He sees him for who he is. He gives him hope in the midst of these difficult circumstances. And then each time he says, get up and feed my sheep. Are we doing that? In this time of Advent and saying, if we have been given hope, are we extending hope to others? Are we feeding Jesus is sheep, or are we saying, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good, or someone else is going to take it, uh, someone else is going to do it. Um, but as we see people and for who they are, that's the call. And as we bring this together here um, to thinking about how you all are joining together with us and with others to feed the sheep, uh, you've made a difference, and to close this, the very last thing that happened this past week for me um, was a brother and sister, we found out, they were driving in their van, I don't know what was going on, but anyway, they drove by and they saw this woman who was sitting on the curb, literally, with three children, and she was crying. And she had been kicked out of her house. And do you remember this past week, it's been pretty cold and drizzly, not like today, and that freezing kind of rain, and she was crying because she didn't know what to do because she'd been kicked out. And she had a coat, but her kids didn't have hats or gloves. And this brother and sister saw him and picked him up on the curb. And then they drove around for three hours trying to get help. Every place they went, people said, can't help you. Not, that's not our job. Or that's not specifically what we do. Until they came across someone who said, go to Hope Clinic. They'll, 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 they'll do something. So they arrived after 5 o'clock. We were kind of packing things up. And the kids... Um, one of the sons had flu, um, they were sick, they were hungry, they were cold, so we got them food, we got the boy medical care, um, and with the social work, we actually got him into a hotel for a couple of nights, and then through research, we found they had extended family in Jackson, so we paid to get them, and they're now there safely. But here's the thing, on the way to the hotel, our volunteer chaplain, and some of you who are volunteers, you'll know William, he's from, uh, right down the street from Hope, and he's got this enthusiastic joy of the spirit, and uh, he took him on the way to the hotel and he bought him McDonald's. And my apology for all the food folks, I know that's not nutritious meals. Sorry about that. But anyway, the kids loved it and they were going through. William walked in and said, all right, we don't want anything that's already made. We want only the fresh French fries. We want only the fresh sandwiches because this family deserves the best. How does that make you feel? You know, and they were feeling good, and, and he was saying how the woman was just crying, saying, you have restored my faith. You have restored my faith. And she kept repeating that, you've restored my faith. You've given me hope. That's not just getting the medical care. It wasn't just getting that food. It was the dignity. It was the respect. It was saying, you matter, and you have that hope. So you can give that gift of hope this year. You're struggling to find presents for somebody? Give the gift of hope because that's what matters. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the hope that you have given us 
and this life. We thank you for the times in our lives when we have felt broken and hurt and you have said, let go and trust in me. We thank you for the times that we have been able to soar on wings like eagles, not because of our strength, but because of yours. And so we give you the thanks and the glory and the praise for that. And, and so we also pray for those who are hurting in our midst, even here those right now who need the hope of Jesus Christ at this time of Advent, to say the coming of Jesus Christ, the coming of the kingdom of God. And we pray for that hope and that we in turn would give that hope, that we would feed your sheep. We pray this in the strong name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.